1: final time. There's a lot going on in the world of college softball. So much for us to discuss. I'm Gray Robertson in quarantine, along with my partner, Tom Canterbury, who I actually got to see last weekend as we did a six foot apart grill out at his house. Tom, how are you? And thank you for the burgers. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, uh, doing well. Still quarantining, as you mentioned. But yeah, we did a safely socially distanced get together last week, which was a lot of fun and hope to get to do something similar again soon. Yeah, absolutely. And when we all get together, there's a lot that we can talk about. We're going to, of course, dive into the semifinal results because we've got two just knockdown, dragout drag-out fights going on. However, a lot has happened since we last spoke, Tom. So let's cover a lot of the topics that have been dominating the college softball news. And first, of course, start with the one that... We are most familiar with and is most important to most of our listening audience, and that is the official announcement that all seven Alabama seniors will be back. Not a huge surprise for us. we would kind of been talking off screen and kind of off the record to people. It it seemed like that was going to happen, but now it's officially out there. Bailey Hempel, Sarah Cornell, Taylor Clark, Alyssa Brown, Claire Jenkins, Crystal Goodman, and Alexis Mack are all coming back. So, Tom... Good news for sure. I mean, it's good to have everybody coming back and now we can really start to plot out what the season could look like next year knowing how many people will be on the roster.
0: Yeah, I think it was it was great news to be able to hear that and to know what you're going to have at Alabama coming back next year. You know, we're seeing some other teams that are having these announcements and there are some people as we talked about it's going to be an issue for everyone that there are going to be some people that are not going to be able to take advantage of their fifth year uh, for numerous reasons, just life in general is not going to allow them to do that. And uh, luckily it worked out where all of the uh, available seniors were able to take advantage of it for Alabama, and it really gives the tie a chance to have so many different options uh, moving forward, both in the lineup and in the circle for next season. It's going to be a lot of fun, and Alabama has – the, uh, the chance to really have a, a super team and a lot of options for Patrick Murphy and you're going to see it's still a good mix of seniors and veterans to go along with some newcomers as well but it what one thing it does do is it makes it even harder for someone who was just on the brink of breaking through to a starting position or a new player coming in first, you know, first time on
1: the team, a brand new freshman. It's going to be even harder for them to break that starting lineup. Yeah, you know, I what I love about it is it's a fresh start for certain people. You know, we are not breaking news and we say that the 2020 shortened season was kind of a disappointment for Bailey Hempill and kind of a disappointment for Sarah Cornell. They they just weren't playing as well as we'd seen. So maybe getting this kind of redo is a great way to erase the pressure that they may have felt coming into 2020 and say, hey, you know what, let's go. 2021 is really it, and I think we're going to see some players play at really high levels next year. And kind of to your point, you're exactly right. I think it's it's going to be interesting to see how the lineup shakes out. And there will be certain players who maybe were starting a good bit last year. And I think it maybe Jenna Johnson and maybe you know Savannah Woodard as well. They're going to be players who are going to have to fight even more for starting spots next year with a year under their belt that maybe they had to this year just because of the way the roster is going to be filled out. Yeah,
0: for sure, and I think somebody else that probably fits into that into that criteria would be Montana Fouts as well. She was not a Montana Fouts-esque start to the season. I thought she was starting to kind of round into shape, as a lot of the team, I think, was um, as the season unfortunately came to an end. But it uh, could be another opportunity for her. And with all these people coming back that you weren't expecting for this season, maybe a little bit of the pressure will be off. Uh, you're not going to have to do quite as much, but you can – you know, have a chance to get healthy as this uh, offseason continues to, to drag on. And uh, hopefully everyone comes in at 100% because more than anything, I think it was the injury situation that was affecting Alabama more yeah. than anything. If everyone comes in healthy, if the Claire Jenkins comes in at 100% uh, with a new lease on life, I mean, there, there's so many different possibilities for this team. So
1: Alabama's got a quote-unquote super team. And that's going to happen all over the place. I've got my document that I'll release probably later on of all the seniors coming back. I've been trying to keep track of everybody, and I actually had to make two additions to the list because I hadn't even considered them coming back for 2021. And of course, uh, that's Rachel Garcia and Bubba Nichols. And this is great news for UCLA. I've already texted Jen Schroeder, she was super happy. But And it just makes what was already going to be a super team, I guess, superer. I guess we'll go with that. <laughs> I mean, for UCLA, this is great news, but this is a big bleep for everybody else in the country because you've got the national champions, I guess still reigning national champions, who looked like they were on their way to certainly competing for one this past year, coming back with pretty much everybody, adding in, oh, a couple of Olympians as well. I mean, UCLA is going to be stacked next season. They are, and... You know, they were going to be regardless, but then you put in maybe the best softball player
0: of all time in there. <laughs> it certainly uh, adds something to it. Um, one of the interesting things about that was that announcement. I guess that means that all of the Olympians that, that are still on collegiate teams that were sitting out 2020 to train and travel and, and do the exhibitions and things like that with the Olympic team even though the Olympics have been moved it looks as though those Olympians will be allowed to play college softball yeah. next year which changes, it definitely changes the Pac-12 a lot uh, in addition to UCLA you have uh, you know, Arizona gets their catcher back, you know, there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of teams that ooh, here we go, and it kind of changes the way that you're looking at how the Olympic team is going to be training for 2021. Does this mean that there aren't going to be those exhibition games um, that they were going to have? Those type of things. Because I was kind of thinking that you know, hopefully the the Stand By Her tour would just pick up in 2021, and we'd hopefully get a matchup with Team USA again and roads. But if, if the Kalisha players are playing college, then I don't know if they're going to be doing those type of tournaments.
1: Yeah, the only thing to me that would maybe symbolize the tour happening. Would be the knowledge that they have those three kind of alternates, more or less, and there are three players going back to college, so really they could just throw in Kaylani Ricketts and whoever else was just off the roster and kind of proceed from there, but I mean, what if we got a Team USA versus UCLA matchup with Rachel Garcia on UCLA playing against their Team USA teammates? I don't know, (laughs) and it's interesting, and I'm sure these are all things being discussed by USA softball right now behind the scenes.
0: Maybe the thought was that it would be either you know safer, maybe, or the thought that let's let them stay with their college teams and they would get the training that way. That way we don't have to bring more people into a one centralized spot. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. And, it, and a lot of it may just be as well, just there's still so much unknown for what's going to move forward. Um, basically anywhere, much less sports and softball in general.
1: Yeah, and I'll throw in Arizona as well because we just spent a good amount of time talking about UCLA, but you're right, the Wildcats do get Deja Mollipola back, and they've got a very senior-laden team pretty much all returning. Alyssa Palomino-Cardoza back, Raina Karanko back, uh, Malia Martinez, Jesse Harper, Denim and Lopez in the circle, they're all coming back. So UCLA is going to be stacked, but Arizona stacked with a lot of experience as well. So those two teams suddenly, to me, if I'm taking off my crimson-colored glasses, look like the 2021 favorites, right? Yeah, the more things change, the more they stay the same as far as that goes. And the sport of softball, UCLA and Arizona, are, are going to be really, really
0: good. <laughs> uh, we, we saw both of those teams during the 2020 season, and you know, we, we both said at the time after we saw Arizona come to Suscaloosa, the, the, they were really being hampered by the fact that they didn't have Molly Pola, but if without other than her, that lineup was just stacked. They were outstanding. and, of course, beat Alabama twice in t Town, so uh, they're uh, they are they weren't missing much. And to the, get their their catcher back, which that's that's pretty
1: pretty scary. Yeah. Oh gosh. So the Pac-12 is going to be different. The Big Ten will be as well because we talked about I guess two weeks ago with Marin Angus. Uh, Jamie Traxel left Minnesota, and now the Golden Gophers have hired former pitching coach and former pitcher back in her playing days, Piper Ritter, who had just done 13 years on staff for Minnesota. She'd coached uh, great players like Amber Fizer, who is still there. Um, And so far, no indication has been given that Pfizer's thinking about leaving and following Traxel to Oxford. And Sarah Gronawagen, who we saw come to Tuscaloosa in regionals, who had one of the most deadly off-speed pitches I've ever seen. So we know she's good. And I think it's also big for Minnesota to keep somebody that they already had on staff and move them into that head coach role. Because now, I I would think, A, it'll lead to stability within the program. You won't see a lot of changes in the lineup. But B, Coach Ritter can just, Keep building. Keep building. What Jamie Traxel had already kind of, kind of done, furthering along that program the last couple of years. Yeah, it seems like
0: it's the most seamless transition that you could have if you were in that situation that the Gophers found themselves in, considering again the climate and what's going on in the world. You don't have to do this major coaching search and, and just kind of just keep everything as it is. And I, I agree. I think this is kind of one of those things that makes it the the best chance where you hold on to all of your people, you don't lose people via the transfer. And that's one thing that uh, Marin Angus was talking with us about last uh, last podcast was she didn't see there being much of a drop-off, as any, with this change.
1: Yeah, and I would think... I, I mean, Amber Fizer's staying now, right? I, I would assume that would she so, and yeah. Coach Ritter have a pretty good relationship since they've been together throughout her college career. Yeah, uh, I would think so. That would, And that's,
0: uh, they have other... Good players, obviously, would make a, a World Series-type run, but uh, I would think that her opinion would have been the, the one
1: most important. Yeah, so that's what's going on in Minnesota. There have been a couple of other player coming back announcements. We'll dive into that probably once everything is set. Florida did make a couple of announcements, including the return of Kendall Lindemann, which, <laughs> great. <laughs> yeah, all right, well, uh, there you go. So Kendall Lindeman will be back. Sophia Inoso and Jordan Roberts leaving Gainesville, and then a couple other things here and there. Kalen Arnold coming back to Florida State, Autumn Humes coming back to Kentucky. We're seeing these kind of filter in and out. Uh, Georgia's bringing back Mary Wilson Avant Justice Mills. All these have been announced the last couple weeks. But as I look at the list, Tom, I'm a little surprised at the sheer number of seniors coming back. And I know most of my list is comprised of Power 5 teams who were doing really well, but... It's a very high percentage of people either coming back at their school or transferring to still play another year somewhere else next year. Nobody's just flat out really quitting, except for a couple of players. Yeah, that's good to see, and I think some of that
0: is uh, the the fact that this is this is all of the competitive softball that ninety nine percent of the players are going to be able to play uh, at this level. Obviously, if you're if you're the collegiate game is is the height. You know, there is the pro league that you know 0. go to, but uh, this this is this is what they have trained for. This is what they've played uh, college or played softball since they have been young children, and what they've been striving towards is to uh, be able to play college softball. They had their senior season ripped away from them, and uh, great to see that almost everyone is having the opportunity to uh, come back and, and finish off their season and, and finish off their careers as they, uh, as they would like to. Uh, have an opportunity to finish it on the field. Um, and also, I think it's been good to see that we saw the announcement a couple of weeks ago from Wisconsin when they said they're not going to offer the, the fifth year to the to the players. Uh, but I haven't seen anybody else really say that. We may mm-hmm. see that moving along. But uh, I think part of these announcements would probably be assurances from the athletic departments that, that they are going to have uh, at least some sort of financial uh, help
1: with it. Yeah. Speaking of Wisconsin, I keep thinking and waiting for Kayla Conwent to announce that she's going to play somewhere else. So no announcement from her yet. One of the best players in the entire country. Um, we'll see what she does as all of this continues to move along, because while we've heard from a good number of players, there are still many, many more that we're waiting on. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and another thing I was going to say real quickly about the
0: Wisconsin situation, I don't understand I I mean, I understand if you don't think you can do it fiscally, financially to offer the the financial help, the scholarships, but I don't understand why you wouldn't say, if you would like to pay your own way, we we will honor a fifth year of eligibility. I don't understand why cutting off any eligibility for a fifth year uh, was the play there by Wisconsin.
1: Yeah, that's a good point, because you know we don't know the scenarios. Some of these players could handle that and (sighs) may want to come back, but... Unfortunately, that was kind of taken out of their hands, which I think was the great fear in all this, that that would be what the NCAA would decide. They did not. And while because they didn't, it does make, in some cases, the schools the bad guys, like this scenario with Wisconsin, I, I think having that choice was what we were both arguing for at the time. And, you know, we're, it's good to see a lot of players in schools making that decision to let players come back. Yeah, I mean, even if,
0: you know, I would if you've been on scholarship, at least, if, if you have, you know, a close to a full scholarship, you haven't had to take out a lot of the loans or things like that that a lot of normal students have had to take out to get through your four years. You might be willing, even if you're not in a position where you can just pay it out of pocket, to take a you know a regular old student loan, mm. and you know for that one year to be able to play. I think I think there'd be a lot of people if that was the the choice handed to them would be willing to do that. So I, I I don't understand why that was the tactic taken by Wisconsin. I don't know if they were hoping maybe the rest of the Big 10 would follow suit and uh but it doesn't seem to be that's the case, which is which I think is a positive.
1: Yeah, we've seen actually schools come out in the opposite because we've suddenly kind of become an Indiana softball podcast, sort of, because (laughs) we're followed by a bunch of players, and I've actually gotten some messages from players saying that they think we do a good job. I'm like, okay, thank you. I I don't know how much we talk about Indiana on the show, but Indiana said, you know what? All the seniors are coming back. And we've seen that announcement more often than the opposite, which was a Wisconsin announcement. Yeah, so...
0: Uh, I think that's something else we need to continue to look out for. Uh, and I think a lot of it's going to have to do, you know, how quickly things can kind of get to a somewhat of a back to normal, uh, assuming, you know, we can get a full football season in. you know, a lot of these sports are, are you know, the Olympic sports especially are, are dependent on the football, uh, right. money that the football brings in to the athletic department. So uh, a lot of this is still going to be pending on that we have a full and regular as close to regular as possible
1: football season. Yeah. And uh, one last note on the coaching search, still waiting on Cal. I don't know what (laughs) what they're doing. It's been a while. Um, Apparently they are upping the ante with some of the offers, good money. They're about to do a, a whole new stadium facility area out there in Berkeley, but they still haven't made a hire, and they were the first one to be available. So clearly they're taking their sweet time right now. And depending on who they get, that
0: could obviously cause dominoes and else elsewhere. But yeah, and, and again, in this climate, it's going to be it's difficult to do a full coaching search, I would think, especially in a state like California, which is still in a virtual lockdown mode. Right.
1: Yeah, if, uh, if Cal makes the move and hires Courtney Diefel, we will do an emergency podcast because that <laughs> will be huge. <laughs> Not that I think that'll happen, but maybe. Who knows? It's possible. Yeah, all right, let's get to the uh, Bama U Brackets uh, semifinal results, shall we? Let's go! Okay, so our semifinal matchups, we've got the winner of the Kretchman region, not Kelly Kretchman the three-seed Stephanie Van Brakel, against the winner of the Morgan region, Charlotte Morgan. The other one was the winner of the McClinney region, Haley McClinney, and the winner of the trainer region, Jackie Trana so three one-seeds and a three-seed in Stephanie Van Brakel, who, to our credit, we did say could make a run. Um, (laughs) It's been a lot of fun to watch, and this one, again, as all of these rounds have been, this one has been really, really difficult because you've had to nitpick in order to actually select who should move on.
0: It really has, and it's been amazing to see how close the fan votes have been in both of these. I know this time we're going to talk about the results of that here, too. Uh, but as, as I mentioned when we were talking about it, you're talking about four of the most popular players in Alabama softball history, in addition to being four, four of the greatest. And these type of matchups, it's It's hard to find what is any light between, what is the difference in these, in these matchups. So it's going to be very tough.
1: All right, let's start off with semifinal one. Stephanie Van Brakel versus Charlotte Morgan. As per usual, Tom, you know nothing except the... Fan vote yeah. result. Right. <laughs> I, did, I didn't mean to phrase it like that, but you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so I'm going to go first, and then you will make your pick, and we'll see if you make us go to a tiebreaker mechanism because we did have a guest judge. Uh, we did not ask him or her to appear on the air because we did not want bias to be thrown about because this person knows the program really, really well. So, uh, he or she made some picks. That means we have eight total votes available. And if we've got a four to four tie, we do have a tiebreaker mechanism in the waiting. So here we go. Van Brakel versus Morgan. I am going with Charlotte Morgan. And I do that. A, um, not, I do. I love Steph. I'm just going to get that out of the way. Steph, you know, I love you. I know you're listening. We know you're, you're loving this bracket as much as we are. And you're the best. And I love you a lot. However, I think something has to be said about what able what Charlotte Morgan was able to do historically at the plate but also just in SEC history you know something that we've talked a lot about are her accolades and being four-time all SEC three-time first team, three-time All-American. She was SEC Player of the Year twice, Women's College World Series All-Tournament team twice. She's thrown a (laughs) no-hitter, and she's also first in Alabama history in RBI. But I go back to how do you play when it matters most? She was in the World Series twice. She had seven ribbies, and she had two homers, two doubles. She hit slightly under three hundred in Oklahoma City in her career. She had a .58 ERA in two appearances at the Women's College World Series. And as I talked about last week, just an unreal 447 average with 17 RBI in career elimination games in the NCAA tournament. She was at her best when she had to be. And I think Stephanie Van Brakel was fantastic as well, but we didn't necessarily see the stats light up in OKC. She struggled more there. She had a 1-4 record at the Women's College World Series and only hit 182 in OKC. So I'm giving the edge just because of how she performed in big-time moments as well as the accolades to Charlotte Morgan. And as a bonus, if I'm still looking for it. If anyone has footage of the Van Brakel home run off of Monica Abbott, please send it to us on Twitter because I just really want to see it because that's awesome. But my vote goes to Charlotte Morgan.
0: Okay, well, I think with these two matchups in particular, both of the players in both matchups are so close to each other in so many different ways. I and these two have just decided I'm going to find one thing. There's got to be one thing that's going to make me pick one over the other. And in this matchup, that one thing is two-time SEC player of the year when – there's never been another one at the University of Alabama, which is ridiculous and farcical.
1: But um, absurd. I can name five. Uh, every player in this Final Four, you could argue, seventy-five percent of the players in the quarters should have won or er, SEC Player of the Year. Right? I mean, 100%, it's it's crazy. One hundred
0: percent. It's crazy, but Charlotte Morgan, two-time SEC Player of the Year. I think that's what puts it over the top for me. So I, as well, I'm going to go with Charlotte Morgan.
1: Wow. Okay. Shall I tally the results, partner? Please do. Okay, let's first go over the fan vote. 223 votes in, 58.7% going to Stephanie Van Brakel, who continues to dominate with the masses on Twitter. I hate to go against the fan vote. I know. And it hasn't gone well in the past when we've gone against the fan vote, and that will continue because Stephanie Van Brakel wins it 6-2 over Charlotte Morgan really we are the only voters for charlotte morgan oh no steph's gonna kill us i know oh my gosh
0: <laughs> i i am not i'm not surprised that stephanie wins but i, I am shocked that it was 6-2 yeah wow mm. awesome good that's awesome good for steph <laughs>
1: go steph she cannot yeah. be stopped right now <laughs> wow Oh gosh. Okay. Should we go to the other one? That is, yes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Haley McColney versus Jackie Trainer. Oh, Tom. Uh,
0: when these brackets came out, I was like, "Oh no."
1: I mean, <laughs> we mm, there is no way that you can make a pick here and not get crap online for okay. not no. picking the other person, right? I mean, because right. they've got great resumes and it is kind of like you said, you got to try and pick a thing or two that differentiates them.
0: Yeah, 100% it is. And again, these are the two most popular players in Alabama softball history. I, I don't have a qualm saying that. I, I mean, I, I really believe it, and, and they deserve it. And they're just as awesome a, a players and people as they can be. And uh, I, this is probably the toughest decision I've made in this entire
1: bracket. Oh, gosh, Tom. All right, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Haley McClenney. And I'm doing that. I'm doing that because of. All right, Jackie Traina was superb in 2012. We've talked about that. She was a four time All American, but only a two time All SEC. I still don't get that. However, there were a couple of seasons where Jackie Traina was really good, and that's kind of about it she was you know i mean a 249 era in 2013 again she was tired she pitched like every game ever in 2012 so i give her a little bit of a pass there however haley mcclane never really had a drop off in her career her worst batting average was 436 her worst obp was 538 and McClinney, first all-time in Alabama postseason slugging percentage. First in OBP at 496. That means in NCAA tournament games, Tom, she was getting on base essentially half the time. That's crazy. She I led guess. Alabama to the World Series three times. She hit a great 458 in the SEC tournament in her career, 412 in NCAA tournament elimination games, and she... Was able to get on base a lot of the Women's College World Series. Had a home run, a triple, three doubles. She walked six times. Trina was great in 2012. But I think if I'm looking at the full career, I give the edge to Haley McClinney. And something else that bugged me a little bit about Jackie Trena's numbers, her career in NCAA tournament elimination games, which was many <laughs> because... They were playing in the uh, champ series and, and they had lots of games where they were on the brink and she was able to fight him back. She was able to get wins, but she had a five two nine ERA in those games. So she was giving up a lot of runs as well. I hate that I'm not picking Jackie Trina because I feel like that national championship should be enough, but I just can't get over what McClinney did offensively and also defensively for four years. So Hayley McClinney gets my vote.
0: Again, uh, just going to find that differentiates these two when they're so similar in so many different other categories. And this is a little bit more of a apples and oranges comparison because of the pitching aspect of, of Jackie Traina. Uh, considering that Seth and Charlotte both pitch for Alabama. But I still think you can find just the one thing, and I think that one thing for me in this matchup is there's only been one person who has thrown a third strike to win Alabama a mm-hmm. national championship and that one person is Jackie Traina. Haley McClinney took Alabama to to Oklahoma City. She did really well in Oklahoma City, but Alabama as a whole, as a team, wasn't as successful led by Haley McClinney in Oklahoma City as when Jackie Traina led the Crimson Tide to the national championship in 2012. I love Haley. Maybe just in, in that, you know, as they say in uh, boxing pound for pound, the best softball player that Alabama has ever had may be Haley McClinney, but I think as we're looking through
1: this, I'm going to have to give my vote to Jackie Trainer. All right. I should note the fan vote went the way of Haley McClinney 50.9% to 49.1%, 232 voters. Wow. Which so means. Have, what, go I ahead. Went. Yeah, that
0: means I went anti vote on both my
1: picks. You did. And this time, we have to call in the mechanism. Oh, wow. We have a tie. We have a tie. This, is, this has never happened. So I am about to send a text to our special tiebreak person. And this man or woman hopefully will be at their phones. <laughs> and we'll hear back from them in just a moment. I'm sending the text now. Oh my goodness. While we're waiting for our mysterious tiebreaker text from this man or woman who I have, I can confirm, is by his or her phone, and they are sending me the vote right now, let's uh, let's say brief but very exuberant happy birthday with a woo involved to Sarah Cornell, who is having her typical SEC tournament week birthday, and unfortunately we are not playing softball here in Tuscaloosa but I'm sure that Sarah's having a good birthday nonetheless.
0: Yes, happy birthday to Sarah and one of the reasons I'm most excited that every senior is coming back next year is an opportunity for uh, to see Sarah Cornell get to pitch again for the Crimson Tide and uh, you mentioned it's she usually gets her birthday during the SEC tournament and so I look outside an absolutely gorgeous day here in Tuscaloosa. The weather for the SEC tournament this week would have been absolutely perfect, and it's just
1: sad. Of course, it. Of course, <laughs> I remember. Um, I think I tweeted it to Lindsey Jones, or I tweeted something along the lines of, "How is it that this has been the greatest spring in terms of sunshine and not rain that we've ever had in the state of Alabama?" It, it's been
0: ridiculous. So outside, there has been two days of severe weather. Outside of those two days. It's been like hardly a cloud in the sky almost every day. Uh, just so frustrating.
1: Yeah, and both of those days, I think we had pretty early gains and the severe weather was later in the afternoon, so I think we would have avoided it. Bottom line, Mother Nature, how can you be so cruel?
0: <laughs> just, just, uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll get a uh, carbon copy of all this next year when Alabama does get to host the tournament again.
1: Oh, Tom, don't be ridiculous. It's going to be, oh, yeah. there's going to be earthquakes and tsunamis happening during the 2021 SEC tournament. We would never get that lucky. There will be a swarm of murder hornets
0: that will come through, and we won't be able to even get onto the field, probably.
1: All right. The pick is in from our mysterious tiebreak person. And this man or woman, Tom, has made. His or her selection. I'm I'm just going to keep it vague. No one's going to know who these people are. Except us. Tom, moving on to the Bama U Bracket Championship to face off with Stephanie Van Brakel is... Jackie Oh, I'm not terribly shocked. um, And this person's reasoning was exactly like yours. The Natty. Which I get. That makes sense, too. So, uh, our championship is Stephanie Van Brakel versus Jackie Trainer.
0: Goodness. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this will be a lot of fun.
1: So, basically, the title that we've got is the person who was really kind of the first great hitting pitcher, or pitcher who also hit in Alabama history, versus the player that she coached to a national championship and who really kind of put SEC softball into the conversation of, okay, this league can now actually win titles. That's fun.
0: Yes. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I think, you know, one of the things that kind of set everything apart in this entire bracket was people that were multifaceted, that had numerous tools in the tool bag uh, when they were a player. And the fact that both of these players in the championships were both pitchers and hitters, uh, I think says a lot.
1: Yeah. Any final thoughts before we go about anything we've talked about today, the news, and, and also our eventual championship, which will start on Monday because, you know, weekend voting usually not great. So we'll start that on Monday between Stephanie Van Brakel and Jackie Trina. Uh,
0: I think the fact that we've just had a bracket and Kelly Creshman and Haley Haley McClinny are not in the finals shows you how deep and how just terrific in the tradition of Alabama softball is and and the type of program that that Alabama has, I think, says a whole lot. And I'm really looking forward to see how the uh, fan boat especially goes in between these two because, as we've seen, Steph is an absolute monster on these fan boats. Uh, but Jackie Jackie Trainer maybe the most popular player of all time so it's going to be uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to see how it all shakes itself out
1: I know I'm going to have to really dig deep because I just voted against both players who made the championship <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I dr- I pulled out some of my well this is a reason I won't pick them voting and so now I've, I I don't know I don't know how I'm going to Rationalize picking and where I'm going to find data and all that. It's going to be a lot of fun, but we'll have that championship special show. There will be multiple guest judges. Everybody who's voted will have a vote on the championship. So it will be a full house Uh, that includes our committee, that includes Sidney Littlejohn, that includes our tiebreaker mechanisms. They'll all be voting. It'll be great. So stay tuned for that. Voting will begin 3 o'clock Central Time on Monday, Tom. Always a pleasure to talk with you. Congratulations on correctly picking someone that made the championship. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, I'm happy to go uh, one for two. I'm fine with that. Uh, and I think I'm really looking forward to this, this finals. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it should be a ton of fun. Again, folks, voting will start Monday on the Out of the Box Twitter at out of the box underscore pod at 3 o'clock Central Time. That's 3 o'clock p.m. Central Time, or not crazy, on Twitter. <laughs> of yeah, box so, underscore right, Real quick, before we get before we wrap it up, a reminder that on the SEC
0: Network tomorrow there's going to be a little softball game on that I will probably find the find the time to watch, and it's going to be the sweeping game, game number three in Gainesville between Alabama and Florida in 2019, complete with a KV stare, stare down, a Barnhill, and a uh, ejection
1: of a. Uh, Uh, I might have to whip out some audio from that game and put that out there, especially some of the stare-downs that KB gave to Kelly Barnhill, the, the KB side's home run. Yeah, that's coming up tomorrow on the SEC Network, tomorrow as in Friday, depending on when this is posted or when you listen. So make sure you watch on the SEC Network to see one of the four Alabama wins over Florida in five meetings last year. Yeah crazy. People seem to forget that those other four happened, but they did.
0: People forget that, especially people seeding the NCAA tournament, but (laughs) it
1: did. Alright, that's it for us. Again, championship voting begins on Monday, and then the results show will happen next week as we crown the greatest Alabama softball player of all time, according to our committee and your votes. Again, make sure that you vote. It's Stephanie Van Brakel versus Jackie Trainum. Should be a lot of fun. For my partner, Tom Canterbury, for our mysterious tiebreaker man or woman seated in his or her house, I'm Gray Robertson saying so long for the Out of the Box podcast. We'll see you next time. Get ready to vote. The championship is coming up.